Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast. We are so excited. We have Alicia Mitchell with us today to discuss um, Christianity, womanhood, and sexuality. Um, Alicia is a writer, a wife to her high school sweetheart, worship leader, and wearer of many hats, like the host of the Feelings Couch podcast, charcuterie board curator, Etsy shop owner, and by day, nonprofit development director. The constants in her life have been a love for the Lord and a deep passion for living a creative, authentic life. Alicia is an open book and a deep feeler and most enjoys diving into depths of hard conversations on things like church hurt, spiritual abuse, grief, infertility, and sex. She does not claim to be an expert in any way, but writes from the authority of her own lived experience in healing in Christ, desiring to point others to the hope and fullness of the free and whole life that Jesus calls us to live. So Alicia, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Hello. Thank you, Lydia. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So this season, I'm trying to work out with icebreakers. So your icebreaker question today is, um, what is your most proud accomplishment to date? Oh, my gosh. And I, I Honestly, I should have given you this one to prep <laughs> for before. I'm sorry. I'm really throwing you on the spot. That's okay. I, hmm, you know... I mean, I, I'm such a deep, like, I can't answer that, like, chill. So mm-hmm. I'm, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram four. So I'm a very deep, like, feeler and thinker. So I'm, my mind immediately goes to, and this is not in my own strength, but straight up, I'm just proud to still be following Jesus and still be a part of a church and serving in worship ministry after situations that I went through. <laughs> And I, and I literally, that's what came to my mind. And I don't, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I would say. I wish it could be like a light fun answer, but that's kind of, (laughs) no, that's incredible. And you should definitely be proud of that. I'm proud of you for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so, you know, I don't even know if this is on a more lighter topic or deeper one. We'll see. We'll see where it goes, but can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself personally? And then also, you know, why you're on this podcast. Yeah. So I, yes, my name is Alicia and I am married to Brian who, um, let's see, we're coming up on nine years of marriage. We dated when we were 14, 15. Um, so a lot of my life, um, we have just a, a dog child right now, Gibson, and we live in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and yes, like I said, in, in the bio, it's, it's actually very hard to sit down and write a bio. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I do a lot. And I also found out a few years ago, I have ADHD. That explains a lot about why I feel the need to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm passionate about this. So I'm a very passionate person about many different things. But during the day I work for a nonprofit and um, my husband and I have been in worship ministry for a long time as worship leaders. And that's a big part of our story. Um, we, uh, moved back to Richmond. That's my hometown two years ago. But before that, we were in Virginia Beach for five years um, on staff at a, a couple of different churches. Um, and so those seasons kind of led me into, I started around 2019 talking online more specifically about like church hurt and spiritual mm-hmm. abuse and things yeah. that we went through. Um, and that kind of led me into just sharing more on the internet, mm-hmm. just writing more. I've always been someone who writes and that's how I process, but, um, kind of more intentionally 
you know, building a community on there and all of that. Um, and then currently as of, let's see, in March, we helped our church in Richmond uh, launch a new campus. And so we're the worship leaders at that campus. So we do that on the side. We work full-time other jobs. And then I have a lot of random little hustles because I like a lot of things. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So okay. I'm just constantly all over the place doing anything I, fun and exciting. So sevens <laughs> are sevens are, I'm also an Enneagram nerd. It's fine. Sevens are like my favorite. And I always say I can be a seven until I'm not. And I can yeah. be I can hang and I can have fun and I can be all the things. A lot of my friends are sevens and they bring so much out of me of like, I can do all the things and all the Uh energy. And then I like introvert really hard or I go really deep negative feelings and they're like, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I like that balance though. It's a good balance. (laughs) Uh It's actually so funny that we're talking about the Enneagram. So I was recording a podcast right before this and in her intro, she also, she's like, yeah, so like I'm an Enneagram four. And like, so the same sentence. Oh my gosh. It's just like weird. I was like, deja vu. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because I mean, yeah, I know it's a whole other conversation, but obviously it's gotten so popular. Yeah. And it's funny that it was another four that, 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 but I feel like fours probably feel like it's very hard to define ourselves Hmm. so if you know anything about fours if you can already say I'm a four then you already know us a little bit more than we (laughs) so it's like that that kind of sums it up I could like write three pages about it but I could also say I'm a four right (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah incredible but great writers come out of being fours so you know yeah we have a lot of feelings and we got to work them out somehow Uh yeah yeah so the whole reason that I found you, that I messaged you, you being on the podcast is because I found on your Instagram page a post about women being more than their sexuality. Um, and so I'm curious, it's not easy or comfortable talking about sexuality all the time, especially putting that out there on the internet for people to see. Um, one, just like before we even dive into the actual topic, why did you start posting about sexuality specifically? Yeah, um, I mean... It's funny that you reached out to me about that post because I was, when you first reached out to me, I was like, wait, when did I talk about that? When was that? And I looked and and I was like, oh man, I had a whole other blog post that went along with it, but I don't even have that blog anymore. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm all over the place, man. Um, But I really have, I felt like it was kind of a little God thing that you reached out to me because over the past few years, I've wanted to talk more about sex. And there's always this line, right, of like, I'm a really open book and I'm kind of what they might call an overture. Like there's nothing that you could say that I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. Like I, my favorite topics are the uncomfortable for most people topics. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I hear like (laughs) my parents in my ear, like they're obviously very supportive and they're going to listen to everything I do. And I'm like, do I want them to hear this? So So it's like all of that side, which is hilarious, but no, I have, I have felt for, I really think talking about the church stuff led me into talking about sexuality um, because there's a lot of people who have obviously been hurt in that specific sphere of like how purity culture happened, how the messages that we were given in regards to sexuality. And so I think that while I've always had um, an interest in talking about that topic and I've had my own story related to that topic, I think 
hearing other people's stories. A lot of the stories that I heard when I started talking about spiritual abuse led into sexual abuse or just sexual messages that Mm -hmm. were, you know, kind of wrongly given. And so that kind of led me into it. Um, But again, yeah, it's just, I feel like, you know, my husband jokes, he'll be like, every day I wake up, he's like, what are we passionate about today? (laughs) Today, we really care about this. But, but no, sexuality, I just think it's such an important conversation. And I think that we have stayed away from it for far too long. And I think it's obviously gotten better. I think that um, we've gotten more comfortable with those conversations. But even so, even in my day-to-day life, in my friendship circles, in people I know that are in the church or Christians, they're still, they're still struggling with talking about it. And, yeah. and I think, so I'm just really big on, let's talk about it. Like, let's have those hard conversations. I mean, it's in the Bible. It's yeah. not like Absolutely. off limits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. You brought up purity culture. Did you grow up in purity culture or like have any of that messaging or no? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I grew up in the church. Um, and I don't, are you millennial or Gen Z? I think I'm Gen Z. Okay. Yeah. I'm a millennial. So I'm almost 32. Okay. So, um, I really think nineties and early two thousands growing up in youth group in those years were very purity culture heavy. Um, and I think it was, I was listening to something the other day, maybe it Maybe it was, I, I checked out a couple of your podcast episodes with Sheila Gregoire, which I think is awesome. Um, so I don't know if it was her, but it was talking about how it was kind of an overcorrection from yeah. a lot of teen pregnancies and a lot of things like that. So it's not that it wasn't well-intentioned. Um, and, you know, when we look at the Bible, obviously there's truth to it. There's truth mm-hmm. to some of it. Um, but yes, I'd say I grew up in it as far as in churches and youth group. Mm-hmm. And I would say my parents, my dad, um, I mean, they were very big on like your true love waits, you're waiting till you're married, like all of those things. Like that was a very big deal. Yeah. But I wouldn't say they added so much negative purity culture messages onto me within my family. I think yeah. they were more open about the topic. I knew that I could, they weren't, they, they still gave a good picture of like mm-hmm. in marriage, it's really great. It's this gift yeah. and like all these things. So it's like a, it's a both and. And I think I didn't really learn much about the negative messaging until I became like an adult and started seeing how my friends who had heard the same messages as I did in church and things, how it affected them. Um, so yeah, it's funny how so many of us can go through the same things yeah. and what sticks to certain people. And, and maybe it's that it gets drilled into them by additional people or yeah. additional sources. Um, but I, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like my brain is like rabbit trail city. So, oh. um, so I, I would say I've had, I've definitely experienced some purity culture, but I don't have the same weight or I haven't had the same things to work through that a lot of my friends, my age have. Um, and I will say straight up, it's because I'm kind of like a dude and I yeah. have always really enjoyed sex. So I have not uh-huh. had the like negative connotations of mm this makes me feel shameful. This makes me feel, but I am very aware of that's more the norm in my generation of Christian women Mm. is it's a very shame filled message. So. Yeah. Um, I'm actually really glad you brought up, um, Sheila Gregoire. Um, so I think a huge part of my story, and I think like 
we would definitely connect on this was spiritual abuse and sexual abuse. And then also like with purity culture on top of that made me feel like I couldn't talk about it to anyone. Yeah. Um, and like kind of all of these things happening at once, it made me feel like as like a woman, I was a sexual being, but then also did not have sexuality at all. And so it was like a very weird place to be sitting in the middle. And so I think that is why like I loved your post about women being more than their sexuality and like acknowledging that we are still sexual, but like it's not the only part of who we are. Um, And I think that that is such an important message that people who did grow up in purity culture or have experienced any of these things really need to hear. And so I'm curious if you can just kind of elaborate on that phrase, what you did write this blog post about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I was thinking about it um, and I'll kind of keep tying into purity culture in this because I think it's so closely related. Mm -hmm. If we look at sexuality within the church, um, you know, they haven't gotten it right. Right. But if you look at sexuality outside the church, they haven't gotten it right either. And I think that within the church, the message was men are sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't help it. They think about sex all the time. And that is basically what they need. It's like water to them. And mm-hmm. for women, it's like, you'll tolerate this. That's mm-hmm. kind of the message is like, right. um, that's your duty, you know, and which I think is so unfair. <laughs> Um, and so, so within the church, it's women are not sexual, men are overly sexual. And then I think in culture, it's become women are not free unless they're, um, they've identified their full sexuality and they've, Hmm. you know, um, it's a lot more focused on women's sexuality and, um, yeah, and it's just been kind of bouncing back and forth, I feel like. But what I was going to say is purity culture, I feel like it's just another form of prosperity gospel mm-hmm. and how it's been. It's it's like prosperity gospel for sex. And I was talking to my sister about this a few weeks ago because that was kind of our story. And I we you know grew up in Christian homes, Christian school, Christian church, you know, all the things. And I, I did get, when I got married, I was a virgin. And that was like, you know, a big life, big deal because we had dated for like nine years before we got married. And it was this whole thing. Um, but I, I remember kind of always just, it wasn't even something I, I verbalized, but I kind of assumed because the messages that I did get was, um, if you wait until marriage to have sex, God will bless you and God will bless your sex life. God will bless your marriage. And if you don't, then kind of you're screwed. So it's kind of what it is. And and now I'm like looking back and I, I think it took me years to like get to the place where I'm looking back at what I had believed and what I'd heard. And I was like, I mean, it's literally not this A plus B equals C situation of, you know, if you are a virgin and you love Jesus and you marry a virgin who loves Jesus, then everything will be easy and everything will, number one, it made it seem like you'll know what you're doing on night one. You yeah. will be, you know, in total bliss and it'll be perfect. And it's like, that is not at all how not only my story has been, but I mean, countless of the other couples I know that had the same story, you know, many of them are not even together anymore. There's like many things, you know, it's just, I feel like it was this prosperity gospel of like, Mm -hmm. if you do X, then Y or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and my part of my story was, not to get so deep in the nitty 
nitty gritty details, but I'm for it. (laughs) So like, I mean, I had, it was just, it's the most hilarious thing. And I I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast, but I'm going to say it. Um, (laughs) But I, you know, I was a good Christian girl. I didn't, uh, didn't go to the gynecologist or get on birth control until I was engaged. Cause I'm like, you know, okay, now I'm good. Before that, my parents were like Hmm. concerned that I would definitely have sex and get pregnant and die if, if I went beforehand. Um, but basically I, they could not even do a normal exam on me. I have, I had what's called an imperforate hymen and I had to have it surgically removed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't have it surgically removed until into marriage. And because of what doctors had said and like all these things, like nobody really knows what to do with you Hmm. in that situation. So it was all these things. So I had these other physical limitations and I just listened. I did also listen to your podcast with Jess on, um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was like, I messaged her immediately. And I was like, I love that you're doing this. This is so awesome because we don't talk about this. And yeah. this is so many people's story and it has been part of my story too. And so basically I had all these like actual physical things to work mm-hmm. through that limited the enjoyment or yeah. ease mm-hmm. of sex or mm-hmm. let alone like how my husband experienced it being right. afraid to hurt me or <laughs> things right. like that. So, so kind of added more layers. And so it got, you know, it got confusing. Right. Um, but I think I totally rabbit trailed away from your actual question, but that's like my context for why I've gotten to the place I've gotten to, but basically yeah. um, just kind of seeing the last few years growing up, getting through, all of that, which really helped me work through, well, what's my actual view of sexuality? And the thing that I have always known is that God created sex and God created it for not just making babies, but for pleasure. There's a part of a woman's body that is created Mm -hmm. only for pleasure. That is the only purpose of that part of our body. Mm -hmm. So that tells me God cared enough about that and that it is good and it is a good thing when used in the right context so I always have felt like um you know that's why I say I heard all the messages and looking back I can see how they were told a certain way but personally my experience and thank god I have a really a great husband who's always cared about it in that way too he never made it seem like it was just for him um so I've always felt like, yeah, it's, it's for both of us. It's a gift for both of us. And so even if it doesn't come easy, we need to work on this and, and it's a process and get to that place. But yeah, it turns out women are sexual and men are sexual and God made us this way. And it doesn't need to be a negative thing, but of course the world has perverted it. Um, and the enemy has perverted it. Um, you know, I know a lot of people say like, or I've heard this said multiple times, but before you're married, um, Satan tries to get you in bed with everyone. And after you're married, he tries to keep you away from your spouse and not having sex with your spouse because he knows that creates intimacy and unity. And it's so powerful. There's such a gift there when you're really like operating in that way and connecting as one flesh, like God created it to be. Um, But kind of... Yeah, just, um, I'm trying to think of what else I talked about in that post that I can help round things back out because I know I keep going down rabbit trails, but. I guess I'm curious, kind of as a follow-up question, I actually have like 19 follow-up questions and I'm trying to like 
we can go wherever um i i'm sure we will go wherever because i also go down rabbit trails like no one's business so who knows what we'll end up talking about um but i'm curious how has your view of sex changed or grown from like dating and not having sex to going to the gynecologist to being married and now being married for nine nine years right yeah almost nine years um well I I just think I didn't know much at all going into it I think that I mean like any other teenager um I mean I had my own hormones raging like I struggled I won't say more than my husband, but when we were dating, I feel like I struggled more and partially maybe it's my like, I'm physical touch, love language. Like it's the whole thing. Um, but I would say I struggled more, um, with waiting and all of that. Um, so like I said, I mean, I think that was my view originally was just that it was finally, we made it to the wedding. It's going to be easy. Um, and it's going to be like a, we made it finally, we made it. And it was, so the opposite it was like we started a new journey and mm-hmm. like yeah. but there was still a gift in it and mm-hmm. there's still a freedom in it and I think that there was something so sweet about like whatever this is whatever this looks like we're in the context of marriage we're in the context of a covenant committed relationship yeah. and I mean I'll say like what my husband said when we first tried and we're not able because of mm-hmm. my issues yeah is he said, babe, we have our whole lives to figure this out. Mm. And so, and that's true. It's, I think there's so much pressure and the pressure comes from within the church too. Mm. I think the pressure of like, all right, now you're married. Oh, your wedding night, man, you got, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I think it's like we, in the church, a lot of times we, you know, pre-marriage we're like, don't, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Don't Mm -hmm. talk about it. And then immediately it's like, Oh yeah. Now you, now you're a man. Now, you know, like, and it's like, nobody really tells you how to get from point A to point B. You're just like to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my view of it has just seen, I've just seen how it, um, has become so much more than just the physical, like the physical Mm -hmm. is important. Figuring out what is pleasurable is important. Figuring out how to best like enjoy that part of your life of marriage is important. But I think the emotional and spiritual connection is even more special. And I think that that I've just seen that grow with um, just years of difficult things that we've had to navigate. And um, yeah, I don't know if if that if that helps make sense. I feel like there's a lot of different avenues to go down, but that's what's in my head. (laughs) <laughs> no, I absolutely love that. And I'm curious, you know, you kind of talked about, you know, how to get from point A to point B when like, you don't really talk about it for marriage and how you're supposed to and like this whole thing. When you did find out your medical issues, did you have people that you felt like you could talk to about this and like yeah. community surrounding that? Yeah. And, you know, I did, but I feel like, I feel like I didn't know what I didn't know yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it wasn't that people wouldn't talk to me. It's that nobody else I knew had ever experienced that. Right. Right. And so it was like, oh, wow, that, that sucks. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, they didn't realize what kind of difficulty that would be at that point. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize, and I'm very dumbly optimistic. Yeah. Like my problem is that I'll, I'm like, oh, 
we'll figure it out. Like I literally had a doctor's appointment and then I didn't have one before the wedding because I was like, I think I've got it figured out. Yeah. And I'm like, Alicia. <laughs> and so part of it was on me, my optimism too. I was just like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that was, but I did have people, I did have community, like I would say a couple close people. Yeah. Um, and I have my and my mom and I felt like she's pretty open about things like that but again they didn't really know how much more difficult it would be for me because I I didn't have people that were I didn't have people with the issues that I had had going so yeah I had to kind of figure that out (laughs) yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah do you wish that the church had talked about sex more before getting married or like, were you kind of like, did you think your church handled that well or your upbringing handled that well? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause I, it's hard to, it's hard to say because I think I fully agree with like, we need to be having more intentional conversations. Um, but I think it has to be in the right context and I think it has to be done well. Like I, I do think because I'm because I was who I was with the struggles that I was having as a teenager, um, that the more that I knew about it, I mean, again, I think my optimism would have been like curiosity and I probably would have just been like more tempted or whatever, but that's different for every person. Mm -hmm. And, but I think it does need to be talked about in the context of like female mentorship and discipleship. I think that like, that would have been a lot more helpful. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't know what I didn't know. Like my parents were very much like, um, you can always ask us anything you can come to us. But I, well, number one, I didn't know what to ask them. Right. And two, I, as a teenager, you don't feel comfortable, yeah. even though your parents are like being okay about it. You still, uh-huh. feel like, right. you still feel, there's still this like shame, and maybe, I don't know. And I think purity, maybe the church put that on us or maybe it was culture. Maybe it was just all of it. Right. Like there's still this, like, I don't, I'm not going to bring that up about mm-hmm. you uh, to you or whatever. And so, yes. And I don't know, like, yeah. it's, it's like, I know the conversations need to be different. I know that I didn't get the worst messages of what people I know did. Um, but, you know, and a lot of what I've, what I've come to look at as negative messaging is like when we, we talked about Sheila and I had read a lot of her articles and some of her books in the past. And when I started, it's more like in hindsight, I've seen a lot of that stuff where I'm like, man, the way that a lot of these main marriage books talk Mm. about even married sex is so wrong. Like Mm. things that we focused on the way that we've given, I know I said earlier, we've made it like, it's a man thing. Like sex Mm -hmm. is, is for men we've made it seem like they can't control themselves, which I feel like is very minimizing of the men who are supposed to be these strong Christian leaders of our households, right? Mm -hmm. Like you should be able to handle that (laughs) in in a healthy way or work towards it. Nobody's perfect. And women struggle with sexual issues too. But, um, but yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So good. (laughs) um I so when you were talking about like being like you know like a middle school and your parents are like yeah you can talk to us about this and you're like would rather (laughs) not um (laughs) so my dad was a pastor growing up and he was pastor of this church that had like a bookstore in it or like a like library type thing 
And he would bring like the children's books and like how to explain sex to your kids home to us and like yeah. test them out on us as like the guinea pigs before like putting them in the church bookstore or whatever. And so like we always like kind of like talked about it. It was just like part of story time, some like random nights, you know? Yeah. But then my mom was like super like, you can ask me anything. Like, do you want to talk about it? Like we can talk about it. And every time she brought it up, I was like, I'm like literally about to jump out of a movie car. Like I was like, I like stop, 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 stop. And sometimes my friends would be in the car and I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Like, and I would just like panic, would like watch. I was like, I never want to talk about sex ever. Like I can't yeah. do it. And now I have a podcast about sex, but yes. You know. <laughs> but yeah, it was like all of like elementary, middle school and even high school. Honestly, sometimes even now she'll be like, she'll bring something up sex related. I'm like, I know the audience I want to be talking to you about this. I know. What is it about it that makes us just like, I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. I know. And my, um, yeah, my situation was, so this is again, just throwing this in, um, part of my history is so my biological mom passed away when I was young. And so my dad remarried when I was 12 and I'm like pivotal time for like preteen crazy time. Um, so the mom that I call mom now is my stepmom. And so sometimes that makes it easier to talk to her about it somehow. I don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so, so, um, but I remember like my dad's the one who like gave me the talk, um, about all the things that were about to happen in my body and all the things. And I'm like, dad, why didn't you have, like, I had an aunt, like a female, had my grandma like why didn't you have them do that but my dad's that kind of guy who's like he's a girl dad so he's Mm. like not afraid to talk about things like well well me and my sister you know we're in our 30s and we'll come over and he'll be like you're all on your periods aren't you (laughs) nothing is off topic for him (laughs) so like it was a gift and also when you're a teenager you're like no (laughs) right right it's funny I can like literally go back to like individual moments like I know where I was in the house I know where I was on the street like when these conversations happen I'm like yeah (laughs) it still breaks me up (laughs) sort of traumatizing but you know they needed to happen at some point right (laughs) right um my middle brother did you ever watch the show dirty jobs with like Mike something I don't think I did I feel like it was like a discovery channel or like a TLC show I have no idea but they had a an episode on turkey insemination and this is how my brother had the sex talk because oh. we like used to watch dirty jobs like every night. And that was one of the job, like the jobs that they were exploring of like, you know, like gross jobs to do. And Clark's like, yeah, like what's, what's semen? Like what, what's like, what's the Turkey? Like, you know, like there's like all these like different things. And my parents well, are like, kids, <laughs> they literally like shut the TV off. They're like, well, um, and I was like, I'm going to go downstairs. Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, not for me. Um, <laughs> Unsubscribe from this, yeah, whatever yeah. this is. I know oh my gosh oh goodness yeah so now this is going back like I feel like three questions I don't even know how many questions I've asked so far but I actually asked my mother first one when you're talking about how there's kind of like this like pendulum of like especially like women's sexuality of how like it started as like kind of response to teen pregnancies and then like kind of went over here and then like now like culture saying you know if you're like not having sex as a woman yeah then you're not like liberated in different things and thinking so I live in New York City which I feel like you like you can't go anywhere without seeing like the word sex or like some sort of sexual messaging and like I think in the culture it's kind of like really woven into like I'll say like sexual liberation and like you should be having one night stands you should be hooking up like friends with men like it's just like coming at you from all different directions and I have a lot of friends who are Christian and not Christian who do have sex before marriage and I like 
fine with that. Like, obviously still friends with them. But yeah. I am, like, very open about the fact that, like, I'm not having sex before marriage. And, like, we'll have conversations about this. And, like, they just become, like, appalled that I could, like, live like this. And, like, they, like, seem like I'm, like, repressing, like, part of, like, who I am. Yeah. Because I'm not having sex before marriage. Um, And it's been, like, very interesting to see because I feel like in my head, like, you were talking about earlier, like, I feel like I'm doing everything right from the standpoint of, like, growing up Christian. And then I come to New York and everyone's like, you're absolutely insane for doing this. And so it's, like, been weird because I came out of purity culture, did, like, a lot of deconstructing around that and felt like I finally was like, here's, like, why I'm not having sex before marriage. Like, this is, like, a personal decision. Like, this is why I'm doing this. Like, this is how I want to honor God with my sexuality. And so, like, to be there and then have, like, things from like my past and my present like coming at me has been so confusing and I'm curious you were talking about how you dated your husband for nine years Mm -hmm. beforehand and how like that was kind of like a big a big deal um what were like people saying to you during this time like did you feel any like external pressure to have sex from like peer groups or anything um yeah I mean I was like so in the church Mm -hmm. um and I will say this, it's just funny how God is because, so, you know, I obviously, I said, I started dating Brian when I was 14. Yeah. I don't recommend you start dating at 14. I mean, that's it. I now understand why my dad was about to lose his mind and yeah. how we had so much drama around being allowed to date and mm-hmm. all these things. But in hindsight, God knew me <laughs> enough to give me that guy and almost preoccupy me with him that whole Mm -hmm. time I feel like because I was so I feel like I just would have gone along with anyone who loved me or liked Mm -hmm. me or said they liked me um or who and I probably would have gotten dragged into a lot of things Mm -hmm. like just because I think I'm I just was that like kind of feeler go with the flow like person and I see Mm -hmm. that in hindsight like we always say my parents thought that he was corrupting me when I was a teenager. I was like, no, I was, I was the one pushing all the limits. And he like, I feel like he was my protection Hmm. and because he was really patient and he had a really strong conscience (laughs) at a young age as a guy, which I was like, I didn't that then I would get mad at him for it. I'd be like, you don't even like me. And now I'm like, thank God, because I, Mm -hmm. I was distracted enough with him that I didn't like go down all these other roads that who knows where I would ended up but of course that's why I say I was like I was like deeply in the church because he was and so we were like worship team kids from a young age like we were always serving we were always on bands and all these Mm -hmm. things and so we were kind of protected in the way that the people that we were mostly around were like very pro that very pro us waiting till marriage and we heard a lot of those reminder messages right all the time but I definitely had outside, you know, other friends that were not living that way or did not live that way. And they thought we were insane. Like, especially when I, before we, right before we got engaged, like I'm literally past 20 and, mm-hmm. and I remember being so, I was just like, I'm ready to get married. Why are you not proposing to me? But right. basically, you know, I got out in the real world, got jobs and mm-hmm. people that got to know me and knew that about me were like, I don't believe you you're lying like that's insane nobody does that nobody you know and it's funny because I didn't feel like pressured but mm-hmm. there was definitely those comments and and it did and I guess maybe I didn't feel pressured but I did have that curiosity of like again like what am I missing what am mm-hmm. I not what have I not experienced yet um because I do think that 
the church messaging leaned so heavily on don't do this then and not enough on like what it is meant to be or what it can look like when you're married um and so it's a lot of unknowns and Mm. curiosity goes in there um so yeah I don't know that I felt pressured but um definitely experienced some of that but I think that you know I mean I applaud you like you're like walking in the midst of yeah probably some culture shock in New York yeah um (laughs) I think that you know I think about this a lot and maybe this seems oversimplified, but at the end of the day, the secular culture, all they have is sex. At the end of the day, when you look at like, I mean, I laugh because I'm always like, you know, we have, I hear, you know, all these people complaining about how sexual TV shows have gotten all these Netflix things, all the, and I, and I had it in my blog post talking about how, I'm now seeing, I feel like you always have to keep pushing the envelope. They always have to like keep moving it forward because it has to be more than it was 10 years ago. It has to be exciting. It has to be. So now there's a lot. I feel like there's on every show that I click on that seems like pretty normal or neutral. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there she's now masturbating. She's learning, you know, exploring her body. Mm -hmm. She's doing these things and they're like regulating, normalizing all of these things. Right. And at the end of the day, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, all they have is stuff they can do with their Mm -hmm. body. Right. All they have is body parts mashing Mm -hmm. together at the end of the day. And it's like, yeah, that might be some momentary pleasure that might be Mm -hmm. exciting. Um, I've only really seen it lead to destruction. I've only really seen it lead to confusion Mm -hmm. and, identity struggles and yeah. all of these things. And so that, you know, again, they don't, they only know what they know. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. their experience. That's the culture they grew mm-hmm. up in. And what the Bible teaches us about purity is so countercultural. Yeah. And so it is like, you're kind of walking in the lion's den a little bit and it is so different mm-hmm. than I think it's so other because it's, it's, I think they, they, I mean, they obviously grew up with messaging that's wrong about sex too. Right. And I think one of those messages is you can't help yourself. Like mm. it's bound to happen. It's going to right. happen. Right. And I think that evolved into, it came from, it's bound to happen to, well, if it's not happening, you're restraining yourself. So you're like withholding yourself from full life. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, I think it just brings more confusion and, mm. I mean, let alone like, I mean, you know, there are studies about how, I mean, I do believe there is some truth to how they talk about like the soul ties. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's, we get an emotional connection with people that we've been physical with. And then, then it's just like gone. And, you know, how many times can you do that and not be kind of messed up by it? Right. Let alone you know, diseases and mm-hmm. unplanned pregnancies and all of these things. And so, I mean, there are physical consequences, but also I just think, yeah, they've been taught a lie too. They've been taught yeah, a lie on their end. Definitely. And then within the church, a lot of us have been taught a lie too. And mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of like getting to, and I think this is true of a lot of things in Christianity, right? I think our generations are seeing a lot of deconstruction yeah. and kind of, and that's not all meant to be bad. I think that some of that is healthy if you're doing that alongside, wait, what does the Bible actually say right, right. versus what I was taught by 
people mm-hmm. who interpreted the Bible this way yeah. through their own yeah. lens, through their own mm-hmm. trauma, through their own struggles. Right. And so I think we're just getting back to this place of like, let's look at what the Bible actually says about yeah. Yeah. sex and about um, what, yeah, like who we were created to be. Mm-hmm. So I always, I always get a little bit triggered around like international women's day and things like that, because I, and I always end up writing a post post similar to that, where it's like, I just feel like the world looks at women and it's, it feels like, it's like, there's like a a half-hearted effort to not sexualize women, Hmm. right. Where it's like, we're more than, um, you know, your viewing pleasure or whatever. And it's, I don't feel like that goes anywhere because it just mm. leads into more free expression of sexuality. Right. Even if you're declaring that this is for you, you're still being used as an object by someone else. Yeah. So yeah. you're more free than you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated where people right. are viewing you as a piece of, you know, whatever, meat. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that we've just, with feminism and everything, we've just like declared mm-hmm. like we are more than that. And like down with the patriarchy and it's like, but we're still acting in a way that all we have is our bodies and all we have is our sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just think that that's, you know, that's part of being in this fallen world is like, we're missing the mark. That's not what God intended yeah. Yeah. for us to be. And for what, for it to, for it to define us. Like, I think obviously created sex. He has a plan for it. Mm-hmm. but he has a plan for each and every one of us that I think far surpasses just that part of us. Right. Right. Oh, that is so good. I, I love talking with you. I feel, I'm so sad that we don't live closer together. I feel like we'd be really great friends. Oh. Uh, <laughs> totally. Oh goodness. And to kind of like wrap up and teeter out the episode, what are some resources you suggest for people who are exploring basically any of the topics we've talked about tonight um, or yeah. like even just like pieces of advice that you have for people. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of wrote some down cause I knew I wouldn't remember. Um, but number one, I think just counseling with a Christian counselor is helpful. Yeah. Um, I think working through, I just think we're such holistic beings, right? So like our mind, body, spirit, I think God, wants to redeem all of that for us. I think he has a plan for us to live this life of wholeness and freedom. And I think that sex and what the messages we've received about them, whether you're in the church or out of the church, I think has had an effect on all of that, all parts Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. So really just like addressing your stuff, like talking, and if it's not counseling, like talking to trusted mentors, talking to people who you think are living this out well, um, that you look up to and just working on your identity and security in Christ and, um, awareness of who he made you to be Mm -hmm. and self-confidence. Um, but there's also a couple podcasts that I've learned a lot about a lot from, and one of them is, um, Java with Julie is Dr. Julie Slattery. I love her. I feel like everything she talks about, she has Mm -hmm. her ministry is called authentic intimacy. And I really enjoy listening to her podcast. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've gotten a lot of them, a lot from them. And um, Sheila Gregoire is on that list too. I just feel like she has a lot of helpful information and I feel like um, 
yeah, and that's a whole other topic. Like there's some things I'm sure like theologically, we might not fully agree on everything, mm-hmm. but there's there's things that she shares about. And I think all the research that she's done yeah. is really helpful to know of mm-hmm. like how many, I think it's just helpful to know that you're not alone. If you're, right. if you've struggled with sexuality, if you've struggled with, you know, you did all the right things and you got married and sex has not been easy or it has been, mm-hmm. you feel like you're the only one. I think it's just helpful to hear like, right. You're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like it's so much more helpful to hear that uh, you're not the only one dealing with what you're dealing with. Um and then when I was like in the middle of like all the things I was researching and yeah. everything with like all the medical stuff I had gone through, mm-hmm. um I found this podcast called Sex Chat for Christian Wives. And I don't know if you've heard of this, but they are it's funny because the first time I listened to it, I was like, uh, like I had that feeling that we were just talking about when our moms want to talk mm-hmm. about it because these are like women in their like fifties and sixties. And I think there's four women they are like sex bloggers. And it literally feels like I'm sitting with like my grandma or my uh, mom, but <laughs> so they talk about things. They're all from that generation. So uh-huh. it's like, but it's interesting. They've all been married for a lot of years they say things like by the names that they are, you know, yeah. they call parts what they are. They mm-hmm. discuss all of these different issues. And it it was the first thing that I found because it was probably like maybe five years ago. It was the first thing that I could find because we didn't address this, but I, I feel like as Christian girls, women, you're like, where can I go for resources? Right. It doesn't lead me to like a Cosmo site. It doesn't mm-hmm. lead me to pornographic images it doesn't lead me to more bad information mm-hmm. and negative messaging so I found this podcast and they really were so helpful and mm-hmm. there was like a lot of practical things and I, I felt like someone was teaching me about sex for the first time incredible <laughs> you know? so anyway so that um and then I was gonna say also like book wise um Jess Connolly has a book called breaking free from body shame mm-hmm. And it's not about sex, but it's about your body and it's yeah. about your relationship to your body. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was really helpful for me in, cause shame has such a hold on our bodies, on what we do with our bodies. Yeah. And so just kind of breaking free from those negative messages, mm-hmm. I think will help so much in sex as well. Um, and then lastly, uh, Felicia Mazenheimer has a lot of resources. Yes, I love her. <laughs> well, she's like my spirit animal. I love her. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just feel like anything she writes, I'm like, that's probably perfectly correct. And I believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Um, Instagram's probably the best way right now. I, so I have I, last year, I started a podcast called the feelings couch, which it is the perfect name for an Enneagram. Yeah. Form, right. Uh-huh. Um, and I did a couple episodes. I did some episodes on spiritual abuse and all of that. And then basically this last year has been like church ministry and everything has been crazy. And so I really want to get back to that. So, you know, we'll hopefully prayerfully get back to that. But, um, Alicia bravely is my Instagram handle. And, um, yeah, that's probably the best way to connect. I'm, I'm there a lot though. And I have, I have a lot of long captions because as much as I have, I've started and stopped the whole blog thing so mm-hmm. many times. And I'm like, no, I just enjoy filling the spaces yeah. on Instagram couch. <laughs> Incredible. And so that's it. what I'm doing right now. So <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, and as always, if anyone has any questions, comments, or concerns, they can reach out to me at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at theholyship.podcast. Thanks for listening.